everybody and welcome to show 59 of the sunny 16 podcast here this week again as you've got to know and trust by now i hope uh, for your delectation and delight and your audio joy uh we this week have a very very special show uh mostly uh, because our show notes are now in color now that won't mean anything to you because you don't get to see these versions of the show notes uh, but there's a very very good reason the show notes are in color and that is that graham and i have been thinking and we've been thinking that it was time that we added somebody else to the podcasting team so graham why don't you tell everybody how you are and then introduce our amazing super special new team member Thank you very much, Ed. Well, I am very well. Um, it's still really hot and sunny, uh, so that's a thing. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I'm enjoying life. I've been getting out with the cameras. I was out trying to take some sports day pictures today, which I don't think went very well. Um, and yeah, it's it's really cool to be starting this new uh, phase of the Sunny Sixteen podcast because we, you and I. We're we're two boring middle-aged white dudes, and um, and also of limited intelligence and photographic ability. Well, I'm speaking for myself here, admittedly. And we need to bring <laughs> <laughs> we need to bring somebody on who could bulk us up to to you know really bring the thunder. And there really seemed like only one person with a proven track record on the podcast who could bring some insight and some wit and um some um ovaries that we're lacking in all of these things and that is of course the delight that is rachel brewster no longer guest and now official sunny 16 podcast co-host rachel welcome to the team make us a coffee (laughs) don't make us a coffee and especially don't make him a coffee Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction, guys. Um, it's a pleasure to be here, and I'm very excited about being part of the team. It's awesome. And I suppose what we should explain to the listeners, so they've got a bit of an idea of how this is work going, how this is work forward going, rearrange those to make a real sense. <laughs> this is why we need you, Rach, because Graham's losing it. Gra- Graham's battery is running really flat these yeah, days. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> what we wanted to do was to build in a bit more flexibility because, you know, we're all busy people. Well, Aid's a busy person <laughs> and, and I'm sometimes a bit sleepy. So we wanted to have a bit more flexibility um, to go away on holidays and do stuff like that and make sure that the podcast could always keep going. Um, and so from now on, it'll either be the three of us or any random two of us or two of us and a guest or who knows what going forward but um so it's gonna be a bit more of a variety going forwards but um yeah it's really awesome to have you joining us proper rachel and i think both aid and i felt from the first moment we get got to chat to you back in whenever the heck it was we spoke to you thought yeah rachel's a, a good fit for what we're doing in the in the sense that you make a lot of stuff up as you go along so and as you say, I have uh, ovaries, so that's always good, right? Oh, <laughs> yeah, been awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we might need to edit that little bit out and put it a little bit nicer. So, <laughs> Who's it, in charge of editing this week, Aid? That'll be you. Yes, that'll be you. Okay, so yes, good point, good point. So this is another change, of course, but let's let's focus on Rachel first. So, Rachel, I'm really looking forward to you being part of the team because, well, there's a number of things, really. Um, I mean, one of the things is that you, you teach people how to do this stuff. So, so Graham and I make stuff up, but 
you know, and Graham does a lot more experimenting than I do. We, we sort of muddle by, really. But you actually teach people how to do the all these different analog processes. And I think that's an amazing thing. And I think that's really going to add something to our show. And, you know, we all know, because you've said it before on the show as well, that you actually, that, that is what you do for a living. That is your business. Uh, and you exist in that maker community in the Liverpool area and around. And you teach people and you do weddings as a professional and you do all sorts of stuff. So I'm really looking forward to that whole education piece. I'm looking forward to uh, the, the the edge, I guess. Well, I, I expect a little bit of an edge that comes from actually doing it for real <laughs> rather than mucking about like i do <laughs> well i think another part of it is you know still very much so don't take life too seriously and and you know i'm i'm all for experimenting and trying things out and and that's why i've always loved listening to you guys because you definitely bring that side of things to it um and i think in general photography it all got a little bit too serious for me and that is actually why i set up um my business in the first place so uh so yeah I'm looking forward to in, enjoying the fun side of things as well and and the sort of uh, experimental side uh, that you guys bring. So hopefully it'll be a nice balance between the three of us. I think it will. I think it will. And then we can get rid of Graham and everything will improve again. This, <laughs> this is my greatest fear. This is the, like, oh, Rachel's been snuck in so I can be snucked out. God damn it. This is the long play, isn't it? No, you can still do the show notes. It's fine. <sighs> well, as long as I get to do them in rainbow colours, I'm happy with that. We wouldn't. We wouldn't want to do it without you, buddy. It's not how it works. <laughs> the show at first as well with Graham also being the one recording this week. So uh, who knows what will happen? Yes, we should say that, shouldn't we? Because no, normally, uh, it well historically, it's been me that does the recording and me that does the editing. And so, listeners, if you are detecting at any point this week that uh, there is a, a different uh, hand on the tiller, uh, hand on the tiller. Uh, shall we say it is absolutely graham's uh, creative expression in the edit here <coughs> so i don't know whether i mean usually i edit out the 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 swear words and things like that i don't know you're going to edit some in mate <laughs> <laughs> uh, well yeah you, you didn't edit them out last week did you with, with good reason there were quite a lot of them um i suppose we should say shouldn't we thanks very much to hamish for joining us last week he was awesome and um anybody on instagram if you haven't checked out our feed for the last week uh, hamish did a, the cur- curating for us um last week did a great job of it even though he did sully our feed with pictures of likers and even some digital cameras um but he had a, a giveaway on there and it was great some really interesting conversations sprung up um but you'll be pleased to hear listeners that as soon as i took control of the instagram feed i put a picture of a pile of rubbish cameras doused with an even bigger pile of Poundland film just to get the balance back ah okay Hamish was absolutely hilarious I just I love that show so much I've listened to it over and over again since I think I think I saw that um M from Emulsive was saying I'm just listening to it on repeat because it's uh it's making me laugh so much so well done and thanks very much for that Hamish last week you really really cheered up my my uh my morning <laughs> it's been good actually the twitter conversation i know rach you've been in on it too and the twitter conversation this week uh, uh, around hamish's guest appearance on the show has been very very interesting according uh, including one poor listener i'll try and dig out his name in a minute who had to explain to his teenage son what a cockwomble was 
<laughs> look, we put a warning. I put a warning up front saying, look, guys, there's a little bit of potty mouth in this episode. You were warned. Oh, well, you can't help some people. No, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. We should get started with some actual some some stuff, I suppose. Uh, so uh, let's let's have a quick look at the multicolored show notes and go to the first thing. Um, Rachel, what have you been up to this week? Yeah, it's been a busy week for me, actually, guys. Um, I had a bunch of teenagers come to see me at the um, Make Liverpool on the North Docks, where I, I currently have an office. Um, so I'm doing a desk residency there. Um, they were kind enough to put up a, a sort of call out to say if you needed a desk space, an office space, and what have you, for kind of like creative makers and what have you. Um, and uh, this kind of relates to my business, obviously, and the fact that I, at that time, not able to afford to get an office space or a studio and what have you. Um, so I'd applied for that and they, they gave me a space for, you know, a limited period of time. But it basically means that I'm able to also uh, rent out certain areas of the of the other areas in the in the workshop and what have you. And there's a lovely atrium space and I really wanted to do a workshop there. So I spoke to um, the art teacher actually at the studio school down the road. They're kind of a, a tech academy, um, but they're really interested in all sorts of science and tech and physics and everything, which obviously works really well for me with analog photography. Um, and we arranged for this group of teenagers to come along to uh, to make and uh, and do a little workshop with me. So that was their first introduction to um, a, a little bit of pinhole, showing them the um, the camera, you know, the Lomo cameras that are built in kind of construct camp as I call it um and also getting them to do a few uh cyanotype prints and things as it's something that they could do leave exposing while they went and had a little tour around the building so it was really nice actually uh, it was a smallish group there's about 10 of them uh, but they came back with loads of questions afterwards um and I had the uh, the classic wow it's like a real thing <laughs> which was amazing at the end when they picked it up and went it's like a real thing in my hand oh my god um so uh, so that that made it all uh, all worthwhile for me to do that um so that was last monday and i also did an intro to analog workshop um which i ran for uh, just a small group um just off penny lane and that was that was absolutely lovely. I had a couple of people come along to that, and uh, we we got to grips with pretty much everything as an introduction. Um, so from cyanotyping and um, making pinhole viewers, and then all the way through loading up your first SLR camera, getting out there, doing a photo shoot, photo walk, um, processing it um, by hand, um, and then doing some. Uh, build your own enlarger because uh, I have a little spy suitcase 1954 um, enlarger from Russia that I get everybody to build because uh, I always think that's always part of it as well you might as well it's a bit like putting a rifle together it's very cool um, <laughs> and then, uh, then you can print using the little spy suitcase enlarger so uh, so yeah that was that was excellent fun and uh, it was thoroughly enjoyable to have um, Kieran and Liz on that uh, come along to that and Kieran is um, has since gone out and decided that right he's buying his own SLR because he's only ever used um, uh, Lomo cameras before the Sardinia and what have you. So he was like, right, this is what I really want to do today. So I lent him my my OM uh, thirty and uh, he just totally fell in love with it. So I then had a whole series of uh, texts from him afterwards saying. Right, I found the camera that I want, and I'm buying it. And he's he's just been absolutely ex so excited about it this week. Uh, it's arrived. He's loaded it up. He's put some new batteries in, and he's gone out shooting. So I'm really chuffed. Um, yeah, it's been great. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. 
a new convert to the flock is uh, a, a great achievement. <laughs> I mean, doing them two at a time, it's going to take us a while before we've got the entire nation converted <laughs> to shooting film, but it's good work but you're you, doing there, Rach. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. One, one at a time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've got to get them signed up to listen to the podcast as well. Don't you worry. They're, they're, on, they're, they're, under, they're under orders. <laughs> <laughs> they're under orders. <laughs> should, they should bundle it on the, on the marketing for the workshop. You know, a three-year subscription to the Sunny 16 podcast. It'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's That's a, really a great idea. idea. I like that a lot. I will do And that. then 12 months in, send them an invoice. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay well uh so yes that's what i've been up to uh this week so it's been lo- lots of kind of lovely lovely workshops and things going on for me and, and thoroughly enjoying that absolutely exhausting but it's it's great you know i come out of them energized myself as well which is what's really nice because i get to see them sort of start to go ah oh, the penny starts to drop and they start to get really excited about the things that they can do and what they can do following on from the workshop and go home and, and try out um so that's always really lovely and uh, and I always finish them sort of like um feeling feeling really nice that actually they've gone away enthused and it makes me more excited about getting back into analog as well so yeah <clears throat> excellent stuff excellent stuff so Graham what have you been up to this week um well not a great deal um i've i think most of the stuff i've been up to this week we'll get to later um the only shooting i particularly had a chance to do was as i said today was uh, the school sports day at my kids primary school and i always well i say always historically the last two years i've um gone around looking for cameras with filming that i'm fed up having filming and thinking well i'll just try and shoot some of this because i don't really care uh, about getting pictures of the school sports day so um I took today a setup that I never use, actually. I took my Olympus OM-1, which I love to use, but I almost always use that with the 50mm lens on it, um, sometimes the uh, 28mm, and very occasionally the 135mm. Um, But today I stuck on the great big 200mm lens, and I never shoot with long lenses. Um, I can't remember what make it is. It's some Korean lens. Um, I've never tried it before, but I thought, well, I'm going to be a sports shooter at an event. I need to have a big lens on my camera. Um... So yeah, we should be. It turns out it's really, really hard to focus and move around a big manual focus lens on an old camera. Um, so those should have come out really well. But you know, I took the um, the uh, Nikon LF thirty five because it had some film in it. I took the um, Pentax. Um, so I've, I've nearly finished up quite a few rolls of film in those now. So hopefully in the next week or so, I should. Um, at the very least have a lot of roles ready to be developed um, but yeah I think that's about the only shooting I've got to and the other stuff I've been up to this week I'll get to a bit later when we're talking about other stuff what about you Aid? You've I, I'm looking at our show notes here and it says you've got some results to talk about <laughs> I got back this week uh, the first results from my reality so subtle pinhole camera and uh, I'm reasonably happy with them i have to say I, I think the only place i've posted them so far is twitter um which is a bit remiss of me i probably mm-hmm. should have posted them to Flickr or something as well uh and who knows maybe even instagram but uh yeah i um i i've i 
tried uh, this this was my very first role uh it was a role of black and white film so uh and i was uh, most of the shots i took indoors actually and fired lots and lots of flashes at the shots <laughs> um to make sure that the i was exposing something and actually those ones have come out really well there's 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 one especially where i had set up on the, on the desk a whole bunch of lego figures Lovely. so there were they're so good. Well, Lego people, I should say, because, you know, like Sony 16, they know how also have women in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yes, they're definitely uh, they're, 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 there's several women, uh, including one front and centre. There's a Father Christmas. Um, there's some ninjas, you know, uh, all sorts of all sorts. But um, yeah, uh, so is that Black Widow in the middle? It might be Black Widow. Yeah. Very cool. And <laughs> you camera in the background. Nice one yeah 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 i found one yeah a lady diver with it with a big old camera so yeah so the the oh, oh and you mean the camera in the back oh that's that's actually um uh m's tlr which i have on loan <laughs> so it just happens to be sat on the desk so this is the desk that i i'm sat at right now which my microphone is perched on right now um and uh, it's in the room in our house which is is typically the lego room right so if i look over my shoulder there's barely anywhere to put my feet right now because the kids have been playing with the Lego. And uh, this is this is one of the few rooms in our house that actually has carpets. <laughs> so it's uh, that's why they go to come and sit here and do the Lego. But the um, so I thought, well, what can I take a photo of? I want to do it. I want to do it. I want to do it. But the trouble was it was you know, dark outside or, or not very nice weather and stuff like that. And I had promised myself I was going to try and use this as a, a, an opportunity to be a bit more experimental in my photography. So I, I grabbed a bag of Lego figures, which had like, you know, a hundred or so different Lego figures in them. And I, I stood them all up and uh, took a shot. And uh, I was really impressed, actually, at the way it's come out. Not not at my skill, at the, uh, at the luck, because this is me opening the shutter for a fraction of the time that would be necessary to expose it. And then just firing the flash randomly at the scene many, many times. Yeah, it looks really cool, dude. I managed to find it on Twitter. So you search for the Sunny 16 podcast on Twitter and you'll find it in one of your fairly recent posts. Um, yeah, that's come out really well. I'm very impressed. Um, very exposed. It, it looks looks brilliant, you know. Um, do you know how many times you were using your flash on that aid? Or is it literally just open the shutter and go for it and, and then shut it when it felt like it kind of thing? Uh, it was a bit of both with that one actually the second roll is in the camera right now and i'm almost finished with that and that every single shot i've put some proper notes about um uh what flashes i used and from what distance and stuff like that because i've got um i've started using an app called pinhole assist um which uh will allow you to choose a film where users have put in reciprocity calculations so i can put in i i can i can expose it it's very much like your average uh phone app that acts as a light meter so you 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 see the picture of what you're looking at and it gives you a reading of what the the exposure should be um but with this one you can also add a function for reciprocity failure and then you hit the button that says log it and it creates a log with a little thumbnail photo of what your scene is and all the settings it was recommending you and then there's a note section you can type in what you actually did um so the second role is a bit more of a i wouldn't call it a scientific approach but it's a bit more of a considered approach let's say 
I think that sounds like such a fantastic app. And, and I mean, I don't know if it's free or not, but I think the only issue is, is it only available on iPhone? Because uh, I, I did also have a little look um, from Android and to see, because I'd seen that you'd put it up, uh, Aid, on Twitter. I thought, oh, that sounds p- perfect, you know, something that will be really useful. But I couldn't seem to find it for the Android uh, at all, unfortunately. Maybe that's something that they'll be developing. Let's hope so. Yeah, unfortunately, it's not. I know that when we talked about this, because it came up at uh, Christmas time when we were doing the um, the Sunnies then, but it was mentioned as one of the great things about last year. And uh, I looked into it, and um, there's a Facebook page for the guy who's developing it, and he just doesn't seem to have any interest actually in doing it for Android, um, sadly, um, because, yeah, it does seem really awesome. I've recently got a new app on my phone, um, I think it's just called Analog. This is on Android, um, and it's because I saw saw them on Instagram, and it's got um, a depth of field calculator, a light meter, a logbook, and all that stuff in there, um, and it seems pretty good. And it's just come out, and I did message um, the chap who's developing that, who's uh, I don't know his name, unfortunately, he was out in Canada, and did mention to him, look, it would be really handy if you could push the values on this because at the moment it's not really suitable for doing pinhole. Um, photography because the aperture doesn't go high enough and the shutter speeds don't go low enough it gets down to you know, one second bulb and and that's <laughs> not really gonna help and, and as i feel like when you're keeping track of um shots it's going to be for things like pinhole or large format rather than 35 millimeter or even medium format to a certain extent um so yeah I, I'm, I'm hopeful he did say oh yeah that sounds like a good idea so hopefully in the future um revisions it might might be more flexible but yeah i've i've hunted around for a really good app like that for pinholing on the um, android and there's, there's nothing out there at the moment so somebody there is a gap in the market um please sweep in and, and make it that sounds like a good call to action actually because this pinhole assist app i i found the functionality in it is great it's really deep and really broad you can even put in your own reciprocity calculations if you want to not that i know anything about how to do that um but the uh uh, you know users can contribute uh the role i've got in the camera at the moment is i think is a portra 160 um they don't have portra 160 um so i chose the reciprocity calculation for fuji 160 and just make it up as you go along but i think the the, the thing is it's really powerful because you can you can get a recommendation you can make a decision and then you can record actually what you did and it'll apparently it'll export them and stuff like that i haven't haven't looked at that yet i'm going to wait till i get through the film get the results back and then see what my exposures look like and and figure out what i actually did so you know i think it's um uh, any anything that allows you to capture uh, the recommended settings into a log of some sort and then, uh, and then add some notes uh, I think is um, I, I think those those are the two killer bits of the functionality for me at the moment yeah yeah so are you actually taking a photograph and then it just attaches all the notes to it yeah basically yeah you yeah. just press the but you just press the button and it takes a snapshot using your your phone's camera and then and captures into in uh, alongside it the settings that it recommended you use for your pinhole yeah and then you can then you've got it and then you can go right okay i've done that and so i'm now going to choose to i was typically choosing to uh sort of bridge the uh, sort of sit somewhere in the middle of the uh the standard exposure calculation and the uh the one that allows for reciprocity so if it said you know um uh i don't know if it said 
20 seconds uh but then four minutes for you know to, to allow for reciprocity or something like that i'd say all right well whatever i'll do it about a minute and a half then and just flash some lights at it for a bit <laughs> <laughs> so so we'll see what happens we'll see what happens so but the, the, this one of the lego folks uh was exactly that it was open it up you know flush it a bit and then close it down um and i was really impressed i will say just to um uh just so everybody knows i mean the 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 reality so subtle pinhole cameras are renowned in the pinhole world for their sharpness um i will say that these photographs i did add a little bit of sharpness in photoshop so it's not that they, they didn't come out quite this sharp, but they were still pretty respectable, actually. I, I, I think that's probably, I mean, I don't know about others, but I, I know that, well, we talked about this before with the stuff that I do when I'm editing my on-do pinholes. I don't know whether you do the same, Rich, but I, I always find you need to jiggle things around a bit with what you're doing. Yeah, usually. I mean, um, I don't, I, to be honest, I've never gone like over the top with uh, with post production, because just because I tend to like them as they come out of uh, of the camera, but but you know, add a little bit of um, either a bit of contrast or or um, you know a little bit of extra exposure if I've not quite got it right, or you know just a few little tweaks and a little bit of sharpening and things. I'm really you know I use I also use um, a Fuji digital like Aid has a uh, very similar, and uh, you know I'm not here to say you, nobody should use digital because it's wonderful. You know it, it does amazing things uh, for us, and um, and I think especially with things like the apps and what have you that we've got access to, why not use all of the tools that we have at our disposal? And it's uh, yeah, to me that makes no difference. If there's a bit of post production that's been hap- that has happened to it, you know, to make it a a more aesthetically pleasing or uh, a better photo for what you enjoy and i think that's that is key really to it if you enjoy it and you like how it how it comes out looking then great you don't need to do anything to it if you want to tweak it a little bit then by all means go for it yeah sound advice it's your picture do what you like with it um i have a question aid i have a question so these are your six by twelve camera um six by twelve negs how are you dealing with the scanning of them how are you dealing with actually getting these pictures onto the screen because this was the thing that you were having to deal with last time um, you were finding it expensive to get them sent away and scanned in so what did you do this time i did it myself <gasps> the devil you say <laughs> yeah i know you'll be so proud of me <laughs> so so what happened with this was that i um i sent it off to the lab sent it off to my usual lab ag photo lab in birmingham so and i said to them uh don't um uh, uh, don't, don't scan them just send them back and normally the scans uh, the negs the, the come back all nicely cut and uh, dead flat and this time they came back and on, on, on the little return slip somebody had written in biro uh, slightly overlapping so we'll leave the cutting up to you <laughs> and they they'd 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 helpfully wound it right nice and tight and stuck it in a in a couple of 35 mil film canisters that they taped together so so i so i i I gingerly we try try not to get um, finger marks on it i i gingerly took my tight spiral of negatives out of these tubs and oh shit what do i do now (laughs) So, so I, I cut them. Bear, bearing in mind, you get you get six shots, and um, because they're six per twelve, so you get six shots on a roll. Uh, and all I had was one curly snake of, of film, so I, I cut them into three lots of two, 
and I stuck them inside a really big, heavy coffee table book and then piled a load of other books on top of them and left them that way for a couple of days. Uh, that handled most of it. Um, if I wasn't so keen to see what I'd got, uh, I probably would have flipped them over and then stood them there for another couple of days to make them dead flat. As it was, I, they had to be uh, they had to be held down a little bit on, on the the light box. Um, uh, just with the, I just got a couple of Allen keys actually because they were small and and made of metal, and that meant that they could keep them flat on the on the light box for for focusing on them. Uh, but how you, yeah, how did you actually scan them on the light box? Did you did you take a photo with your digital camera then? I did, yes, yes. Okay. That's exactly what I did. So that was interesting as well because I was thinking to myself, well, I don't own a macro lens um, and I don't really own um, very long lenses either. Um, I could probably try. I, I think the next step will be to get my... Um, I always knew that one day there would be a use for my Bronica to Fuji X mount adapter. <laughs> <laughs> because I think the longest lens I own is my Bronica 150mm, so I'll do that. But I, I suspect the, um, the, sh- the close focusing distance probably is a little bit longer than on some of my lenses. So what I did, so I had my Fuji, my X-T1, I stuck my, uh, uh, a Nikon 85mm lens on it, and that allowed me to get close enough that I could get uh, my 6x12 negatives roughly um two and a half thousand by one and a half thousand pixels or something like that so these are not high res images here uh, and i do need to work through how i scan them but basically i took a photograph of them um and then in photoshop i inverted them uh there, were, there was a little bit of color artifacting on it so i just put a black and white layer on them to get rid of the color uh tweak the curves a little bit cropped them nicely uh and uh, that was it really um uh, you know uh, it worked um worked very nicely um I'm probably really, and uh, and you've put a lot of work into actually getting those out really nice and clean as well aid it's uh, far removed from me occasionally when i get too impatient um where i've processed and then i'm like right okay i need to see what they look like now so i've switched on my bedside lamp <laughs> and like literally held the <laughs> held the negative over the top of that taking a photo on my phone <laughs> and then <laughs> the, the, <laughs> so yeah. it's not split people <laughs> so these were really clean legs actually which which were good uh which, which was good so uh the, when i was doing my practice um uh, scanning the other day with a couple of ones uh, shots i'd taken uh with graham's on do um uh, those legs were filthy um and i had to do a lot of spotting these ones are not really any spotting at all they, they've come back from ag photo lab really really clean so so thanks guys at ag photo lab i don't suppose they listen for a moment but there you go <laughs> so are you blaming graham's undo for the fact that the other ones are really messy no i think what i did I, I sent it the first lot i sent to a lab that what i'd asked them to do they were happy to do but it was outside their normal automated workflow so you know i wasn't playing to their strengths um but uh, uh we're just uh, with ag photo lab they do 120 they do black and white and it's all part of their standard service so you know it's um it, it all just came back nice and clean so that was great well, the results really are i mean i would never have you know they look as good as anything that i've ever scanned in so from a resolution point of view um yeah they look great really good was it much faff doing it was it hassly or was it fairly straightforward uh, no, it's pretty straightforward. So I set the tripod up 
um, uh, in the corner of a, a, a darker room, you know, one that doesn't get direct sunlight in my house, um, and put the light box on the floor underneath it. So I had the, I have a ball head on my tripod that allows me to to tilt the camera to focus straight down. Um, and then it was a question of, I mean, you know, you guys know because you both shoot Fuji, you punch in the focus assist so that it's quite, yeah, it zooms in and you can get a really nice tight manual focus, so you know you're good. Um, and then uh, you just take the photograph. Um, the only thing I, I I didn't even shoot manual actually, because uh, of course it tries to make that white light box eighteen percent grey, so it, it underexposes everything. I just flipped the exposure compensation dial up to plus three, and uh, it came out nicely. <laughs> so, um, and and yeah, so uh, yeah, the thing just sits there. Yeah, you sit, leave the camera sat there on a tripod in the corner of the house, and it, it you know doesn't get in anybody's way. Uh, it was it was a ten minute job to scan six photos like that, um, and then because I was still learning a bit uh, on how to convert them, um, first two took me a little while, and then after that was fairly uh, fairly straightforward. It's the sort of thing you could build a Photoshop action set for, um, you know the the macros that you can do in Photoshop. Not that I actually know how to do that, but I was thinking oh, this is completely repetitive steps i could automate this really easily if i knew what was what so i think i need to um, get some youtube videos out and uh, uh, figure out how to build my own um, actions in photoshop because it's only three or four steps but it'd save me a little bit of time sure. and just a quick question about the camera itself because eh? uh, they're absolutely beautiful i, I see these uh, images that people put up from the reality so subtle all the time and i just think what a gorgeous camera i mean the pinnels obviously legendary isn't it you know in terms of the sharpness that you get from it anyway and um i was just wondering how you'd how you'd actually found like the whole experience of using that camera is that one that you'll use a lot again do you think i i think so yes so i'm not you sound, you sound a little hesitant is there a particular reason that you you're not sure it's yeah yeah mostly because the sort of photographs i take from it will take with it will be a bit of a step away from what i usually do so um yeah i don't do a lot of people use pinhole cameras to take some sort of landscape either either with movement or without movement or whatever it is um and i simply don't shoot a lot of landscape photographs um apart from when i'm commuting and then i'm on a speedy walk and so i don't really have time to sit down and take you know five minutes out of my walk before i get to the office to to, to take a shot so i think it's going to be um something that i'm going to use i'm going to want to use a lot it was fun i enjoyed it um, and it makes it gave me some insight as to how people might think about large format, you know, where it's a process and you've got to set up and it's it, you know, it, it's um, uh, it it seems to me um, not that I've ever shot large format, but from what people have described it as, the, there's there's a similarity in the way you have to approach these things, which is great. You have to think things through. You have to plan and stuff like that. Um, and I suspect there's a lot of pinhole shooters out there right now saying, no, you just run around and just open the thing whenever you feel like it. I suspect I could sort of hear Neil and maybe Tina in in, you know, in the back of my mind say, no, just go with it. But uh, it's um, uh, I will use it. Yeah. And I'm going to I've got to figure out what the, the, the thing is that, it, that I'm going to do with it. I'd, I'd love to take some portraits with it. I can't quite figure out how, how yet without buying some football stadium lighting. <laughs> like, if I could get one of those that would work off my young new radio trigger, I'd be sweet. <laughs> like, you have to speak to Justin again. <clears throat> 
Yes, I think I should speak to Justin again. Absolutely, we should get him back on the show. Well, the thing is, now is the time to, to try this because you get outside in the daytime with your pinhole camera, there's a lot of light out there and you, you, you're going to be getting shutter speeds that are only one or two seconds, which is okay for doing portraits. So just get outside and make the most of it. Yes, good point. Just good get point. nice and close. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, maybe I'll do some street photography with it. <laughs> <laughs> Get up in their grill with this weird-looking box. Okay, all right. Tell you what. So we have uh, we've all given some updates on what we've done this week. We've wake- welcomed Rachel to the team, so we're going to have a quick break and come back with some more stuff. Whoop whoop. Right. Back to the show notes, and uh, I'm not sure whether this thing that we're going to talk about next is uh, some sort of alien race from Star Trek, uh, or whether I, I'm uttering the war cry of an African tribe, uh, but I'm going to go with the word Gudak. Rach, over to you. <laughs> Thanks very much, Aid. Yeah, um, I think you're right. I think it is pronounced Gudak. Um, it's Apparently, the headline for it is Gudak is a charming analog camera app that makes you wait three days for a photo. Um, the subheading is a test in patience. And it was just something that I came across this week, um, I think through Twitter, just saying that there's this new analog app um, where basically you get 24 shots within 12 hours and you have to wait a full three days after you've finished this role in, you know, sort of air quotes uh, in order for it to develop. So the development process doesn't start until you finish the role. There's no preview. Basically they're saying, believe your instinct, have fun. Um, and it's brought to you by like a little independent um, app developer. Um, it looks quite interesting. Um, it's, uh, it's basically a chance for you to kind of use use your phone as if it's a disposable camera um, without that preview uh, sort of um, option. Um, I, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how I feel about it. I quite like the, I quite like the fact that the design looks like the back of the old Kodak disposable camera and that they've used the same font and things. Um, so the, there are some nice little elements to it. Uh, I've not actually tried it out yet. I don't know if either of you have. Graham, apparently you had some thoughts on this. Well, yeah, <laughs> I um, I looked at this when you posted the link about it. Oh, this sounds interesting. So I had a look. And yeah, as you said, this, this idea of um, taking shots blind and um, not being able to see them until you finish. Your, and obviously we haven't got Hamish with us this week. So we're going to have a, a normal week of not having the explicit tag on the podcast um but as i am responsible for editing i'm going to tell you that this can just fuck off because it's <laughs> what what is the point right if you want to have the experience of shooting analog just pick up an analog camera there's lots of it around this is the whole point of digital photography is for it to be convenient and to enjoy i just oh god this is so infuriatingly stupid so infuriatingly stupid and you know the only thing that can possibly compare with its level of stupidity is the next app we're going to talk about rachel do you want to bring up the next app okay just before we do that um, I wondered if you'd read the comments section of the Gudak by any no, chance. No, no, I, I haven't. So ju- just to, just to, at the start, it, the first one is, this is such a great idea. I love analog photography, and this might be the best digital version I've seen yet. Mm-hmm. 
Um, the second one is I totally don't get the point of this. <laughs> so there you go. Um, I think that gives us uh, the the full range of uh, response to that. The it's other just, one that I saw, I know. Uh, the other one I saw is actually from 2015. Um, so Gudak was this week, I think, and this one, it just reminded me of this other one that I'd seen previously, um, which is basically a camera that won't let you take tourist photos. Now, I think actually, rather than it being necessarily an app, this one is you have your smartphone, you put it inside a 3D printed case, which basically looks like a knockoff of some kind of rangefinder camera, and it's called the camera restrictor. The idea is that the um, geotagging that you have in your um, smartphone basically decides if you're within, I think it's something like 40 feet or something of an area that has already had a lot of photographs taken of it, um, I, you know, sort of Brandenburg Gate or, you know, the Eiffel Tower or what have you, then it doesn't let you take a photograph. Um, unfortunately some of the some of the problems with this i mean obviously there's there's quite a few um but it says you know most glaringly within this within this um review it says most glaringly the technology ignores transient events like concerts parades and fairs which is true so if you happen to be near a, a possible landmark and think oh actually you know there's a protest going on or there's you know some really cool like street market or something that i want to take a photo of that just happens to have a landmark in the background you wouldn't be able to take a photograph using it um so i kind of like understand why they've why they've made it um but it's not something i would use um it's apparently billed as a disobedient tool so there you go <laughs> your thoughts graham your thoughts you, with this one this is in some ways even more frustrating because it's kind of going look you're not smart enough to not take bad photos so we're just not going to let you take them and um but that, of, that's true, though, surely. Well, but but it's not though, because you can be at, you can be at the Eiffel Tower and get an amazing picture that doesn't have the Eiffel Tower in it at all by the simple act of turning around, and yet you won't be able to with this. Um, I, I just it it all feels just so I mean pointless, so utterly pointless, um, and none of it is about encouraging people to take more thoughtful photos it's just about going no you can't and also the technology in this you know i think this is a soft launch for hey here's a way that we can stop people from taking pictures at events because that's been a thing in the last few years hasn't it where um in some concerts in particular they've been very strict about nobody taking photos and stuff like that um but no i just I, I really don't think either of these things have any merit whatsoever because creative photographers will take creative pictures wherever they are and it doesn't matter whether it's at the most photographed place in the world they will look for an interesting photograph there I, I mean one of the most useful things i remember reading god years and years ago was somebody saying you know if you're somewhere where there's some really big thing going on that everyone's taking pictures of then you know, turn around and take pictures of the crowd because that's always way more interesting you know, look at the crowd that's gathering look at what they're doing and so there's, there's always ways that you can take advantages of places like that. There's always so much life going on in these places. And, um, and yeah, as for the Gudak, I mean, that's just, it's just silly. It's just so silly. I mean... Great. Your comment about turning around and taking the photo of the, uh, of the crowd that are there, that, 
uh, brings to mind the photo from Henri Cartier-Bresson, which is of the, the crowd um, who were there waiting for King George, I think it was, to, to be crowned, or, or I'm not entirely sure, the, the royalty, the figure. Um, but it, there's a famous photo where he turned round and took the photo of them all on the, on the wall, and there's the guy who's just sort of like at the bottom of the wall uh, in all of the piles of old newspaper and rubbish and things. And he's obviously, you know, drunk and what have you. But it's such such a, a strong image. And they literally, did, he didn't take any photos of the actual coronation, I don't believe. It was all of the crowd. And mm. uh, so I just think absolutely it's, uh, it's, it's about what you do with that. You might be in the city. That's the thing, you can end up with the same tools and the same camera and, you know, it's like editing or it's partly why I absolutely love analogue photography because it is to do with how you see an image as opposed to everybody else and it's your unique way of capturing that, isn't it? So the other, the other thing that worries me about the um, camera restrictor is that, as you mentioned, you know, being a soft launch for not being able to take photos at concerts and things. I mean, there's a, there's an element that it could be used to prevent people from taking photos in war zones and, and getting, you know, sort of like information out there because it could be restricted in that sense. So, you know, the, there's all sorts of implications behind once you start to create technology like this as well. So, yeah. All right, I'm going to I'm going to wade in here. Right? I I I because I I think there's the these these things are not all, all they're cracked up to be. I agree with that absolutely. But I like that. There's a concept I want to think about here. So yeah, it's it's as I understand it, it's quite a uh, a common thing to when people are being taught something to restrict their uh their i don't know their scope their scale their 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 capacity and uh, i know i've read over the years of any any number of uh photographers who run workshops and and then they they pe- people turn up and they get given a a holger with 12 shots in it and no more than that and that's all they're allowed to shoot and stuff like that so i want to make a case here not for either of these products because yeah i i i think they are poor expressions of an idea but i want to make a case here for um actually forcing people because i get that digital is supposed to be easy uh, easily accessible i should say and that uh, you know it's supposed to take away those constraints and that you know creative people will be creative yeah but creative people will also you know you know take a thousand photographs and you know and stuff like that and i have problems in digital photography of stopping myself from taking shots that i know i'd never take if it was if i it was a film camera i had in my hand so i i want to speak up here at least for the 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 benefit of of restricting the number of photos you can take uh to to make you think things through and and to make you uh, and when you think things through you naturally take better photographs so yeah camera restrictor and gudak are, are don't make any sense to me um but actually stopping and thinking things through is definitely a good thing. Mm. And with, not with phones, but with, sorry, Rachel, not when you're using phones, but when you're using a digital camera, there are real ways you can do that. You just put in a real small memory card um, and then you have limited and you still can, you can look at the pictures and you can self-edit, but it means that you can go out shooting for a day and say, okay, well, I've only got enough room on here to get, I don't know, 60 pictures. Um, rather than the usual 300 that I might blast away at. So you're going to think more, or at the very least, you're going to have to make hard decisions as you're going along. And um, I think there are you know, better ways. Just with phones, uh, 
that that shooting experience it it's those photos are always feel pretty disposable and i don't think that there's any way that you can make it less that just by restricting them right just mm-hmm. to pin on that um because you know with you saying about using a smaller memory card and things like that there was a um a, an innovation which was using basically a holger i believe and it was a digital holger and i don't know if you've either of you have come across this yet no but it sounds awesome already <laughs> so young here, well i thought you probably would like to say because you love your holger and i don't have one so this really appealed to me because i thought oh it would be a, a, an excellent kind of I am interested in the convergence between analog and digital and some of the ways that that's become very innovative and, and the things that people are doing. And um, so I thought this sounds perfect because it's a it's a Holger camera, but it has an SD card slot in it. So you can't review. You are restricted to a very small amount of shots, as you were saying, Graham, uh, on this SD card because I think it's only like 200 meg or something like that um and uh, and basically you you the only way that you can see them is to then put your sd card into something and share them or something like that so uh, i don't have the article in front of me um so obviously i don't want to quote it but that's the basic idea so maybe that maybe that's the way forward maybe this is the the perfect embodiment of these ideas that haven't quite worked maybe that's the way to do it because in principle aid i'm completely on board with you and, and that's partly why i shoot analog anyway and why i do this because as you say, it's about giving some restrictions um, in order to, you know, um, help you become more creative about how you work within those restrictions. Uh, and that that's a very good way of, of helping people to see better and, and to be more considered in, in the images that they take. Um, so, yeah, perhaps perhaps that's the, the next one for us to look at. And we'll, we can come back maybe with an update next week <laughs> on that. <laughs> All right, so there's two votes for restricting there, but not with the camera restrictor. No, I think, yeah, that's just not not the right tool for the job that it's, yeah, doing (laughs) for me. Fair enough. Fair enough. Now, I'm inclined to agree with that. All right, let's move along then. Let's keep this this, uh, show rolling. Cheap Shots Challenge. Uh, Ooh. Now, here's the thing, isn't it? We haven't spoken about the Cheap Shots Challenge in a couple of weeks, Mm a couple of three or four weeks, something like that. I, I know I haven't yet finished my first film, although I am a little bit more than halfway through it. Yeah, Graham, how are you getting on? Yeah, not too bad. I, I want to ask, Aid, you, you say you've not yet finished your first film, but you are shooting your first film. So for the benefit of our audience, how, how, are, you, how are you going about shooting macro with your Pentax Auto 110? Uh, I am bending but not breaking the rules as a favorite band of mine once said uh i have uh i am definitely using my 110 camera that is awesome and i tried because it's an slr i tried taking the lens off and twisting it around to give me shorter focus and they certainly gave me shorter focus but the damn thing wouldn't fire so there's somewhere inside there there's a little Ah. lever that it stops it from firing if there's no lens on it which is really frustrating and i had a look at it but i mean so this is this is pretty tiny stuff right this this may be an slr but it's a 110 slr and it's tiny and i couldn't see the uh the lever or button or wedge or whatever uh that that was was moving around and stopping it from firing so uh so then i thought to myself well do you know what i'm going to bend the rules a bit so i grabbed a lens (laughs) grabbed a nikon 35 mil lens out of the drawer switched that around and used that to get my short focus (laughs) 
whatever works whatever yeah, works absolutely. I'm it was a very cheap lens it was one i got from london camera exchange for 40 quid so it's a very very it's not like i've gone out and bought a zeiss lens you know, something like that to do my cheap shots challenge with challenge yeah i was gonna say come on eight. <laughs> That's the so, whole point, right? <laughs> so what about you rich because you are an incredible disadvantage because you're using a real bogo plastic point and shoot well, camera why did i ever go down this route guys i don't know <laughs> Um, it, well, I know why, because it was cheap. <laughs> it was three pounds in a box, literally still in its plastic wrapping, um, called the Big Yellow Camera. Uh, it came with batteries, a case, and a roll of Kodak Gold, which is 30 years out of date, which I put through for, obviously, the um, the portrait challenge part of Cheap Shots Challenge, and nothing came out, <laughs> because it had obviously been sitting by a radiator for God knows how many years. Anyway... So I'm stuck with this yellow camera. Um, the manual tells me that it's a 1.2 metre minimum distance to take a photo. Um, you set the challenge as macro. So the only thing that I'm able to uh, to sort of like do in order to make sure that I can actually get some images that will work within this uh, this ridiculous um, situation <laughs> um, is uh, I need a magnifying glass. Yes. Or so, an elephant. Or, or <laughs> <laughs> you could take a photograph of an elephant from 1.2 meters you'd be fine you might get squished <laughs> okay i'm not gonna be doing that but but thanks for the thanks for the tip aid i really appreciate it um so yes yeah, so i thought right okay magnifying glass that's the only thing i can really use to make this work so on saturday i sat there for a while thinking well what am i gonna do i don't have magnifying glass i could go out and buy one um but i'll see i'll see if there's something else i can use in the house and then I realised I have this um, beautiful old um, sort of like half magic lantern, half enlarger kind of thing that I, for ages I've been sitting there thinking, oh, I need to, I need to, do, you know, give it a little bit of TLC, see if I can get it to work. I'm not sure um, if it will work yet. Um, but I thought I'll just dismantle that <laughs> and see because there's a big piece of glass in it. So, uh, so we'll see what that does. Uh, and there's a there's a huge piece of obviously magnifying glass in in the middle. Um, so I'm going to be using that, I think, to shoot through. Um, so I've got that, and I've also got a um, one of those e extra helping hand type ones, you know, for sort of model painting and things like that. And it has a little magnifying glass on it, and it has some clamps where you hold like the model, so you can do some, um, you know, close up brushwork and things when you're painting your, you know, you sort of like Warhammer figures and things. Um, so we've got one of those for because I'm a big board game geek as well, I'm afraid. And uh, so we have one of those, and I thought, oh, I might try using that as well. So that that's as far as I've got is dismantling stuff and uh, finding some things to shoot uh, images of. I've only taken about three frames so far, and who knows how they're going to come out. So uh, I've not got anywhere near my half a roll like Aid has, but uh, but I've started. I've made a start. So there right, we go. So that's that's good stuff, actually. So so, but I I think correct me if i'm wrong here but you're at somewhat of a disadvantage because i've got an slr so i can see when my extra lens is focusing yeah but you're not gonna you're not gonna have that benefit are you no and i can't even tell if it's in front of the actual lens because <laughs> obviously <laughs> the viewfinder and the viewfinder is in a different place from the bloody lens <laughs> uh, parallax error <laughs> fun times uh, this is gonna be fun this is gonna be great fun <laughs> Okay, so I definitely have an advantage here because I can see what's get what wh whether or I'm shooting is in focus. Um, all right, uh, so okay, Graham, what are you up to with this one? 
I am okay. I saw Rachel's post at the weekend, and I went, "Oh my god!" I know Aid started. Now Rachel's getting on with it. I've got to get my act together. So, um, what I'm trying to do, I mentioned a few weeks ago that I spent a quid at a car boot sale and got this box of junk. And as part of this box of junk, it's um, it's a part of something. I have no idea what it was originally a part of. Um, I'm guessing some sort of lens or something but it was was something pretty big anyway it's a weird thing but it's got various elements in and the bottom line is that when it acts like a magnifying glass so essentially i'm able to and it's also got its own built-in aperture on there so i can open and close it a little bit so um what i'm doing is my uh, is 1000 has a it calls it a macro mode, but it's yeah, it's a close-up mode, um, which sets the camera at a particular focal length. Um, and then I'm going to have to hold this really big, heavy lump of metal and glass on the front um, and shoot through that. Uh, and that gets close. That gets real close to thing. I mean, there's going to be distortion to deal with and also vignetting. Um the thing that I've been trying to puzzle out along with that is, well, there's two things. The first is lighting, which is always a nightmare with real close macro photography um, because you the camera and the photographer is such a block to like any shadows, anything like that could be a real problem. So I have a solution to this problem, possibly. Um, I don't have a light box, but I do have a light and a box so I'm going to take the one and put it in the other and then put some glass over the top and then put the thing on top of that and actually shoot up through and underlight things this is the plan I'm going to backlight things and shoot things that at least are slightly transparent so probably leaves or something like that because that will help solve the other significant problem which is um, the depth of field is ridiculously shallow i mean it's microns of thickness um so i'm hoping that that by if i can find things that are fairly flat and just shoot quite two-dimensional pictures um hopefully that will solve that problem Uh, the last thing i have to kind of figure out is how to make an interesting picture with that um because beyond leaves which if I can find some nice leaves that maybe got some interesting evading in it, but because it is gets so close, um, it's this actually finding something that has enough detail to be interesting at that level that um, isn't too three dimensional. Otherwise, it'll all get lost. Um, yeah, it's difficult. It's more close up than I would want it to be. But uh, yeah, so I, I have the setup. I just need to get my tripod back from um, Sinead's house because it's there looking after Ronald at the moment. So I need to swipe Ronald off that and get my tripod back. Um, but then I will be attending to that this week. Uh, quick question. What film are both of you guys using? Well, obviously, hey, you're oh, using 110 rubbish film, so... <laughs> Yeah, I only get the one choice because it's the only film I can buy. It's the Lomo 200 Tiger. It's a it's a very warm looking uh, color negative. Yeah. What about you, Rach? Um, yeah, um, Poundland. It, it's nice and cheap. And to be honest, because you're worrying about bloody bit of vignetting, and I'm like, I I don't even know where I'm shooting. <laughs> 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 
I was like, right, I'm just going to put, I'm just going to put a bit of Panland film through um, before I run out of stocks of that, and uh, and yeah, and I think that that's gonna that'll do me for this. Yeah, yeah, it seems sensible. I, I'm very lucky that the IS one thousand is like AIDS. It's a camera where you see through the lens, so you can actually see where you're focusing, which is lucky because it's so. I, I was trying to take a picture of the veins. Well, not trying to trying to see if it would focus on the veins in the petal of an orchid the other day. Um, that's uh, yeah, it, it's it's pretty close. So if I can that, pull it that's off, that's pretty tight. Yeah, but I wasn't sure what film's going to be best to to go because you're going to want something with reasonable sharpness, I guess. Um, oh well, I'll see what I've got. I, I I I think you're overthinking it. You're you're way ahead of where I am. I think I'm probably somewhere between the middle of you guys. I could see um, what I'm shooting. But uh, because I have to hold my my camera and my extra lens together, um, the, the 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 depth of field is is so thin that any any breathing or slight wobbling in the breeze and and you know I've got I got nothing I, I I have no idea what will be in focus in any of my shots but at least I know what roughly the composition is. <laughs> fun times well as always with these things some of our listeners are already doing better with this than we are um and there are already a few pictures up uh, on instagram under the hashtag cheap shots challenge so i want to give a shout out first of all to danny roberts who is at henna potamus on instagram who's got three really cool pictures he's got a picture of um some sempervivum the house leek plant a nice close-up of a rose and a close-up of a um bottle top there uh i'm not sure which pic what well, i can find what camera he used oh here we go uh it's um a nickel mat ftn which he got for seven dollars at a flea market with a 1.4 50 millimeter nickel lens that's pretty good going isn't it um yeah that's pretty good uh and I think for, to do these pictures, he has um, used the trick of reversing a lens. It's a different lens. He's reversed a Calimar 35 to 70 lens. Um, so, yeah, that's really cool. Very good, uh, Danny. Really like those. And the other person, in an amazing reappearance on the scene, uh, at a troubling time, because there's always one person, hey, isn't there? there's always one person comes in and kicks <laughs> our ass at the Cheap Shots Challenge. And I know where you're going with this. I know where you're again. going with this. It's Dave, at DaveArino9 on um, Instagram, uh, has got a picture up already, and it's a cracking picture. It's um, a close-up of a spider over some... Um, dandelion seed heads and he's also used a light prism with it so you've got this rainbow effect over the whole thing it's very tricky uh, i think dave had been enjoying um some relaxation time when he was taking these pictures so i think that's what inspired it um but yeah just very cool so there's pictures up there to go and look at i said to check out the hashtag cheap shots challenge and if you're out there shooting with your cheap shots cameras let us know get them hashtagged and um yeah we'll, we'll be catching up soon so oh this is all very exciting i like the cheap shots challenges <laughs> It doesn't bring out the best side of your behaviour, though. I'm hoping that Rach, now she's part of the team and can be part of the competition element of it, that, that it'll sort of calm you down a little. I just have two people to fight now. Oh, no. Do you know, I was wondering, <laughs> what, what, right, what do you guys think about, is this, is this allowed for me? Because I'm obviously having some issues here with this camera. Um, could I get a, 
a cheap lens off a different camera and hold it in front of my camera and use that. I mean, well, that's, that's what exactly I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly yeah. 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 So I'm just thinking, because I have one that would still come within the £5 budget, <laughs> or £10 budget, whatever it is, um, maybe I could do that. Maybe that's maybe that's something I should have a little try with as well. Okay, cool. That's a few extra options then. I mean, given the fact that you still won't be able to have any idea of focusing or framing, yeah, I think we'll no. allow it. I mean, okay. you're screwed, right? You, you are <laughs> you, you are so screwed with this subject. So you can do what you like. As long as that camera is the one that takes the picture, I don't care what you do. You're going to lose. So, so this is where we get into the real Graham now, isn't it? Because it's like there's no way that you'd be allowed to do that, Rach, if Graham thought for a moment that that might cause him to lose something. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> welcome tr- truly you are welcome to the team it's a real it's a it's it, it, it is the the element of the podcast that really brings out the best in our little team <laughs> hey listen there's no i in team but there is in winner <laughs> i really like that that's great <laughs> oh i can't handle this too much stress and pressure for me i'm too nice you see that's what it is i'm just too nice too relaxed too softly spoken (sighs) okay let's move on right so okay i think um Rach, you wanted to uh, give a shout out to somebody here, I think, actually, didn't you? No, normally we do shout outs later and we will do that later. But specifically, you wanted to bring to our attention somebody called Shoot Film UK. Yes, uh, there's a guy called um, Carl who runs Shoot Film UK. And uh, I, I actually met him in, in Blackpool at, um, at like an art car booty, which was like a car boot sale, but for artists. Interesting concept um and uh he he does some very cool stuff with film unsurprisingly um he previously put out an open call for one called overexposed and he's now got a new one out for i think it's focusing on instant and polaroid uh, this time so uh, i believe it's at shoot film uk um maybe just go and have a little look and check that out um if you've got anything that you like as uh, as a listener to the show that's you've shot on instant and polaroid maybe think about submitting it it's always nice to kind of like put your put your work out there and see what other people think and um i believe he's doing the sort of online publication as well so you might end up with your with your work in that as well awesome Good shout out. Yeah, they got a nice feed um, and uh, people should always be trying to get their work out there. So I think that's a really good way of getting in touch and trying that out. Yeah, and he seems like a super nice chap and has a beard. So all good. <laughs> <laughs> this thing you have for beards. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. I tell you what, we are going to have a quick break and then Graham has got a surprise for us, I fear. Oh, yeah, baby. Well, I said before the break that I fear that Graham has a surprise for us. Um, uh, Other than two small words that in the show notes that could mean anything, um, I have no idea what's about to happen. So over to you, Graham. I am so excited about this. Every now and again, I tend to get caught up in something and just go off on a tangent and find out about things. And this happened this weekend. And I thought, you know, how can I weaponize this um, random thing? And what it is, we're going to have a quiz. Because 
Who doesn't love a quiz? Everyone loves a quiz. Listeners can play along at home um, and it's going to be great. Uh, There's a theme tune for it, which I'm just about to make up. Hang on. It's Graham's Big Quiz. It's Graham's Big Quiz. Everyone enjoy. It's Graham's Big Quiz. It's Graham's Big Quiz. It's Graham's Big Quiz. Everybody should just take a squiz. Um... So uh, that won't be set to music because I don't have the ability. But you know, if anybody else wants to do that, that'd be great. Um, and the subject for this inaugural, because I had fun doing this, so we're going to do this again in the future at some point. This inaugural quiz, it's about Polaroid, baby. Yeah. So how much do you guys know about Polaroid? Nothing. Uh, no, not much. This is going to go terribly well. Listeners, this is going to be your chance to feel a lot smarter than um, these guys. Um, there's only five questions, so don't worry. Um, but, but it's going to be good. Oh, you're going to, well, you're going to love this. This is this is this is edutainment, guys, because we're going to have fun but learn stuff at the same time. So let's just do this. Okay. <laughs> Question one. Edwin Land, founder of Polaroid, an all-round legend, was a scientist and adventure to the very adv- adventure inventor to the very core. But which of the following fields was he not involved in? 3D movies, jukeboxes, space hoppers, smart bombs, or dog apparel? Do you want me to go through that list again? So that's 3D movies, jukeboxes, space hoppers, smart bombs, or dog apparel. He wasn't involved in one of those things. Jukeboxes. Eight. Uh, um, all I've got is war. What is it good for? But I don't think that was the same, Edwin. Um, <laughs> come on, come with me here, guys. <laughs> That's Edwin Starr, right? Yeah, that's Edwin Starr, yes. <laughs> okay. Oh, I thought you were going to leave me hanging on that one for a moment there. That was dangerous territory. Um, I'm going to say that, I mean, clearly, so, so here's, here's a bit of a thought process. I mean, clearly he knew a little bit about optics. So I suspect that the 3D movies thing was probably something that he might have been involved in i have no idea whether he liked dogs or not <laughs> um smart bomb sounds chemically to me uh i'm gonna go with the dog thing i don't think he did much with dogs okay and the answer is space hoppers okay <laughs> so here we go so um he what basically he invented and kicked off something was the polarizing. He invented a way of cheaply making polarizing filters, which, as you quite correctly point out, Aid, is very important for things like three D movies. Um, so he was very much involved with that. In fact, the film Buana Devil, which is a very dodgy title, but the film Buana Devil, um, which was the first full length feature film in three D, used Polaroid glasses. Um, so there's that. Um, the technology was also used in colour animation in the Wurlitzer 850 Peacock Jukebox. Uh, no during the war, he was involved in figuring out uh, the first passive guidance systems for smart bombs and also <laughs> glare-reducing goggles for dogs, which is just oh. the best. <laughs> Did you say, so dog apparel, right? I thought it meant, like, blankets and stuff, not... 
Goggles for dogs. <laughs> they're they're that goggles. Is so cool. That is absolutely brilliant. I love I, that. I just want to. He's most of the stuff I pull from various Wikipedia articles. But I just wanted to read this because Edwin Land. He's a, he seems like an incredible guy, and I particularly like this thing. He says, Land often made technical and management decisions based on what he felt was right as both a scientist and a humanist, much to the chagrin of Wall Street and his investors. From the beginning of his professional career, he hired women and trained them to be research scientists. Following the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. in 1968, he led Polaroid to the forefront of the affirmative action movement. So he's just an all-round dude, Edwin Land. Right. Yeah. Okay, question That's number two. Something. Just as a thought, um, I also was going to say that I thought he was the guy that um, wrote the song Summertime that <laughs> was sampled by the Fresh Prince and Jazzy Jeff. Um, I, I think that actually, look, quick with quick, um, quick Google says that that might have been cool in the gang, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> might not have been, might not have been Edwin Land at all. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what he did in his free time. He might have done it. He was a fairly driven chap. Okay, so no points for anybody there. Uh, audience, I hope you did better. Question number two. This one I think is an easy one. Who did Polaroid try and sue for $12 billion? Dr. Evil. Fuji. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, it's a good guess. It's a good guess, but it's wrong. A, do you have a comeback? Um, NASA. NASA. No, not NASA. You see, if you think about it, the answer should have been fairly, fairly obvious. It's Kodak. Um, when Kodak announced instant film cameras in 1976, Polaroid announced they were suing them, accusing Kodak of having stolen its patented instant photography processes. The suit in federal court lasted 10 years, uh, and Polaroid asked for $12 billion for infringements. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't until September 1985 that a US district court judge ruled against Kodak, ordering that the company stop making and selling instant print cameras. During that time, Kodak had sold more than 16 million instant print cameras. Uh, and then in 1991, so bear in mind that this court case was started in 1976. In 1991, Kodak was ordered to pay 925 million um, out of the 12 billion asked for. So, yeah, there you go. Because this was a time when some of the patents were starting to run out. So Kodak was, um, Kodak was obviously trying to glom onto that market. I don't recall any Kodak instant cameras. Have I got a huge gaping hole in my photographic history? I found one the other day. Oh, okay. Really? Well, you have then. <laughs> Clearly, yeah. um, it was in the um, uh, it was in the red brick vintage warehouse in liverpool and i was like what on earth is this and it was blue and white and it was a yeah it's a kodak i should have known that because yeah i wasn't even thinking about that to be honest but um but yeah it was uh it was this huge uh obviously instant instant camera it looked like it still got maybe three shots left on it or something so, <laughs> i bet they're good <laughs> yeah Bear in mind, it must have been discontinued in 1985 so it's a few years old yeah, I didn't buy it. Oh. <laughs> I, didn't. I know, I know. Okay, <sighs> question number three. This is a sad one. In what year yeah. did Polaroid go bankrupt? 
Okay. I think it, I think it's later than that. This is one of those higher or lower things, isn't it? <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, I th- uh, I I'm going to say 2007. Ooh, interesting. Two very interesting and very different answers. Uh, and the correct answer is 2001 and, and? <laughs> 2008. So no, okay, yeah. So um. The original Polaroid Corporation was declared bankrupt in 2001 uh, and its assets were sold off and New Polaroid was formed as a result. Uh, New Polaroid was declared bankrupt in 2008, resulting in a further sell-off to become the, the present-day Polaroid company. Um, for yeah, Which, as we know, we talked about recently, uh, the largest shareholder of um, Impossible has recently acquired the controlling stake in that as well and just as a very quick aside here whilst doing research i went to the polaroid website and it has pages on there for um 600 speed film and stuff and you click on the links to buy it and it takes you straight to the impossible film so you know they're obviously starting to tie things together a bit um Anyway, for a bonus question, a Brucey bonus, because again, I just love where these these things take you. What was the main contributing factor that led to the second Polaroid bankruptcy? Any guesses? Uh, I'm I'm guessing it's going to be a little bit more than nobody was buying their stuff. (laughs) I'm going to go for like water shortage or something. Oh no! Oh, that's giving me an idea. Okay. Um, uh, is it going to be so? T- team effort, Rach. Is it going to be the banning of a particular chemical that was part, uh, a critical part of the manufacturing process? Yeah, maybe. Ooh, it's good there's guesses. Got restrictions. Yeah, yeah, okay. it could be. Good guesses, but sadly wrong. Okay, so a bit more of the history. So. Um, on April 27th, 2005, the Petters Group Worldwide uh, acquired the um, Polaroid company. Uh, and in 2008, the company and its founder, Tom Petters, was um, under criminal investigations. Uh, Tom Petters was found guilty in the U.S. District Court in St. Paul, Minnesota, on 20 counts of conspiracy, wire and mail fraud. And in April 2010, he was sentenced to 50 years in prison for his part in the fraud. And before you start to feel sorry for poor Tom Petters, who apparently will be 95 years old before he's even got a chance of getting out, he's the a-hole that announced the discontinuation of 600 um, Polaroid films. So he deserves to be in jail for 50 years. Hmm. I don't okay. really respond to that, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> the things you find out when you start going down a hole. Yes, um, he always had a great band called the Heartbreakers. <laughs> 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 Pretty sure. And and he was in the Travelling Wilburys, it says here as well. <laughs> okay, well, listen, Ed, this next question is going to be definitely more up your street then. Uh, question four. Polaroid has had adverts that featured the Muppets... Sir Lawrence Olivier, Alan Alder, John Belushi, and even a very young-looking Hugh Laurie. And in 2010, Lady Gaga was appointed creative director. But there's only ever been one camera made in honour of celebrities. What is it? One Polaroid camera made in honour of celebrities... I don't know. I don't really know. You're not doing very well so far. I think you're zero for zero so far. 
Uh, well, quite, uh, yeah, well, po- quite possibly. Um, uh, 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 um, oh, I... Is it the button? No. Of, of which celebrity button are you thinking of, Rach? I don't know. Button <laughs> moon. Button moon. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got anything, guys? Oh, I know. Um, uh, Andy Warhol. Oh, good guess, good guess, because Andy Warhol was a very big fan of the Polaroid cameras. Is that not right, then? It's not right. The, the Hockney. answer is the Spice Cam, released in 1997 <laughs> as girl power swept the planet. It is a pink 600 camera, so basically, you know, the, the very common pink blobby um, rounded uh, 600 cameras? It's, it's a pink one of those. And in, I've also looked up, you can get one now from Impossible Project for only £159. I'll be honest, mm. this seems Spice like there might be ways you could spend your money. <laughs> Okay, come on. We've got two questions left. You can do this. Have we I got any, have we got anything right so far? Just no, to just have a quick so process far. check because I haven't really got... been keeping <laughs> haven't really been keeping track. We You've not even... been keeping a score. It, it should have been quite easy. You both got nothing right. <laughs> we didn't even okay. get our half point. Sorry? We didn't even get our half point each when it was supposed to be a team effort to get a bonus point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh where are we? Um, okay, question five. Which sold more, Instax cameras in 2016 or instant cameras in 1976? Instax. Yeah, I think I'd go with Instax as well, actually. Pure guesswork, but... Okay, okay. It's pretty close. Well, I mean, I'm using close in relative terms. Instax in 2016 reported selling... 5 million units um, but the instant camera market in 27, 1976 1976 was 7.4 million so um, that had risen to 14.3 million in 1978 and of course as we were talking about earlier this is the time when Kodak was also very much in that market so this is why it was such a big deal for um, Polaroid to be battling to get Kodak to stop making cameras. Um, but yeah, so there you go. It was a very big market and Instax haven't quite caught up yet, but they're, they're making some ground. Okay, last question. Question six. So Edwin Land founded the Polaroid company in 1937 and they released their first camera in 1948. In the time up until the second bankruptcy in 2008, how many different models of instant camera had they made? And we're going to use prices right rules here, so it's the closest without going over. Well, I am going to say... Does all the different colours and things like that count, or or special editions, or anything like that? Is there, they, is there any rules on this? They tend to regard those, yeah, as as releases. So you know, you've got uh, yeah. So each one could have like count as twenty or something like that. Well, there weren't it? that many different colours. Well, I don't know. Just <laughs> it wasn't a Nintendo DS. <laughs> If they're going to count all the different colours and stuff, I I'm going to say fifty. Mm-hmm. Rach, what you got? All right, I'm going to go for thirty-seven. 
Okay, so this is obviously since the first camera in 1948. Um, in that time, they released, and I'm, this is going off the Wikipedia um, list of Polaroid cameras, which I counted. Uh, I may have slightly miscounted, but it's going to be pretty darn close. The number is 237. So Whoa. that's starting with the, the first camera that they made was the Model 95 which was the one that was released in 1948. Uh, and this first series of cameras were roll film cameras. So they had two individual rolls of film, which um, the one with the negative on and the other one with the chemicals on. And, you know, obviously the, a whole faff. That roll film wasn't discontinued until 1992. It's amazing how long that went on for. Um, these were then followed by the... Um, the pack film one starting with the model 100 um, which i've gotten shot they kicked in from the early 60s um with the peel apart film which more recently we've been shooting the fuji stuff which is unfortunately also now discontinued um in 1972 the sx70 which is probably the most iconic of all their cameras came out i love this um Polaroid founder Edwin H. Land announced the SX-70 at a company annual meeting in April 1972. On stage, he took out the folded SX-70 from his suit pocket and in 10 seconds took five pictures, both actions impossible with previous Land cameras. I'm hoping at that point he just mic-dropped and walk off stage. Um, <laughs> that's pretty cool. There is, within the list, there is also the 40 by 80 inch camera at the Boston Museum of Fine Arts, made in 1976. 40 by 80 inch instant camera that's oh boy i would love to see that that's um, pretty what do you what do you have to what sort of focal length do you need for that then <laughs> god knows it's just beggar's belief doesn't it um and one of the more recent ones uh the eye zone with radio i actually not the one with the radio um where's that clunk it mm. i my mum found an eye zone camera in a store recently i had not come across these before um so the eye zone for anybody who hasn't seen these and why would you have the picture size was tiny it was not much bigger than 110 negatives it's probably about twice the size of 110 negatives um and but they were on stickers so you could take the picture out and then you had a sticker these tiny little pictures half the size of a um, instax mini um they were trying to capture the youth market um but i done not terribly successful okay final bonus question given all the information you've got what year was the last non-digital camera non-digital instant camera introduced non-digital instant camera because they do have, they are making instant cameras now with this thing called um, Z Ink or Zinc. All oh, right. But, uh, so, it. so you're, you're, but so this is Polaroid branded. Just for clarification, yes. You, you're not, it's not the latest lomography. It's no, not no, lomography no. This issue is the, or anything like that. This is Polaroid's last, the last what you would think of the last true Polaroid camera, I guess. <sighs> well, it's got to be linked something towards one of those two dates, isn't it? So. Uh, uh 1999 the millennium rainbow button 7610 <laughs> rate um 2002 ooh later okay um you're closer rachel close believe it or yep. not it, and this is the reason i went down this whole hole in the first place 
it, the last camera released was the um, 1600 Panner, uh, which was released in 2005. The 1600 Panner was basically just a white 1600 camera, and the 1600 cameras were released in 2004. And I have in my grubby mitts possibly one of the saddest things ever it's a 1600 pro i was at work on saturday and i was putting some logs in the house as one does when there's a gardener i happened to look across and on the shelf i saw a pack of um polaroid film because you know you get your eyes get tuned in for spotting things you were oh some old film there i mean it's probably knackered but i wonder if he wants it probably not um and then there was this box next to it uh what's that and it, it's an unopened Polaroid One Six Hundred Pro, um, which you know I have no idea how old it is. Um, I'm guessing it's around two thousand and five. Was obviously given as a gift and never even got opened. And um, I said to my lovely client, "Can I?" Um, and she went, "Oh, you sure? I don't want it. You take it." So I've been waiting since Saturday because I haven't opened it. And I'm going to open this thing up now. I mean, I'm really sure it's probably far more sensible to keep it, you know, mint in box with a huge value. That these uh, things sold that. Gonna... Yeah, exactly. Sold <laughs> down. Let's get this baby open. So the one six hundred. How are you going to break? How are you going to break it if you don't get it out of the box? Well, exactly. Exactly. I'm, I'm most. You wait till now, though. Wow. I know. I know. So, that has shown quite quite a lot of restraint, actually. Yeah. I think so. Well, went, yes, <laughs> an audio unboxing aid. You said so yourself. I've done it on the show several times, and uh, it's always some of our you know best feedback comes from the audio unboxings. Yeah. Okay. So let's see what we've got in here. Are there any instructions at all? No, nope, don't seem to be. Uh, mind you, it's a one six hundred camera. I don't think there's a lot. So it's quite does, a does sleek... the one refer does the one refer to uh, what I've heard called like one touch? Is is that what the one is? Is it is it you know a, a super automated version or something? Well, to me, it's, they're all pretty. I mean, it, it makes me laugh. You look at th- this box. Say um, the most advanced features ever. Um, yeah, the most features. So the most features. I'll read the back here. So it's got lighten and darken control, um, which it's had. Well, my uh, Model One Hundred Land camera had that. Uh, from 1963 um, it has a tripod mount that's very modern red eye reduction auto flash uh, a viewfinder with dust shield and a hand strap so it's pretty fancy um i mean it's <laughs> it's quite a sleek looking unit it's certainly more sleek than the sort of the other 600s that came before the bug-eyed ones um uh yeah it's very fancy um no i just need to figure out uh hmm Okay, I need to put some film in this. That would be a good start. Right. <laughs> so what's it got? It's a Polaroid one. One six hundred Pro. Okay, so oh, there's a button. Open, close. Let's push that one. Oh, top pops up. One six hundred Pro. Okay, so if I Google that, it's very delightfully plastic. Uh, is it in? It's a. It's one that folds fairly flat, is it? And then and then pops up. Yes, exactly. That, that... exactly. And it's it's mostly white, is it? Uh, this one's a um, silvery metallic looking thing. Um... Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Ah. Yeah. Okay. Right. So. Yeah. It certainly looks like a Polaroid camera, definitely. I'm actually going to have to have a look in the instructions here to see how one puts film, because it looks like you just kind of shove it in the front in a slightly weird... Okay, so... Whoa, mate, mate, mate. 
this says right i've just called it up on amazon amazon uk it says one new from 210 pounds oh you really shouldn't have opened that box guess what i don't (laughs) care about very much money okay i've got the front open it's it's i've got a pack of uh 2006 expired film so um okay further before we you have got a shirt on haven't you (laughs) well you're right i ought to take that off good point (laughs) Um, <laughs> <laughs> we know the last thing this camera needs is for its first ever <laughs> shot to be, to be one of your infamous shirt off selfies <laughs> you've been hugely popular right Aid? okay right let me also where's that instruction book gone again because this is a, i mean it does it does see six used from 49 44.99 so in opening that box you've just burned through about 150 quids worth of value i regret nothing <laughs> um, <laughs> okay does that flip so i was to make sure i put the film in the right way that seems like an important thing to do uh tab down okay right so that goes that way right okay Right camera. Eat this film. Let's see if after sitting all those that's in with it. Ooh. It's alive. It spat out the thing with vim and vigor. Okay, right. I was gonna say that came that sounded like it came out really quickly. It certainly did. Okay. Um poof. What buttons have we got? It's got self-timer. It's got a self-timer on the back. That's quite fancy. You've got an LCD light. Um, it's quite, you know, it looks quite swish at the back here. Um, I'm guessing the flash is going to come on automatically. I'm going to put on, press the red eye reduction button because if you've got one, you're going to use it. Hang on a, hang on a second, right? I'm going to go and take a selfie, guys. This is going to be great. Uh, it's supposed to. The one. Have we got any strip tease pro- music? <laughs> the the pro model apparently focuses down to 18 inches, which is quite impressive. Okay, <clears throat> a cheese. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> in my face right okay so we may not need the explicit tag but we certainly need the nsfw tag for this week (laughs) (laughs) well i mean it spat the photo out real good the photo looks as though that the um may not have lasted terribly well so i suspect that the film is toast but the camera itself all seems to be fine it's quite a nice sleek design um i mean it's not pocketable at all got a tripod mount no um it, it does feel quite plasticky and a bit flimsy but that's it's nice it's snazzy camera um i'm gonna get some impossible film and give that a go uh, at some point because yeah i don't think looking at that picture i don't think this film's oh i tell a light it's coming out guys it's coming out oh wow i mean coming out quite slowly but not on an impossible scale so anyway this camera is the entire reason that you just had to suffer through a quiz um but pretty great right guys listeners i hope you all did better than aid and rachel did they get f minuses for their efforts with that and obviously i will share this lovely picture on instagram that i have just taken on myself I didn't frame it very well. See, I didn't allow parallax error either. It'll get you every time. Although I wasn't looking through the viewfinder, so that's a pretty poor excuse for not getting it. <laughs> I was going to say, if you're pointing the camera at yourself, <laughs> surely that's not an issue. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's pretty good. So, you know, two, uh, well, t- if the film expired in 2006, that's probably at least 2005, 2004, straight out of the box and works just like new. So. Sure. 
Well, uh, yeah, and and that is so. You have just got a brand new, last model ever Polaroid camera. Yep, yep. Taking it straight out of the box and devalued it massively. I'm feeling very proud of myself. (laughs) 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 Is it so? So I so 600 film is purchasable isn't it from impossible so you you could choose to use it for stuff oh absolutely absolutely i mean i've I've actually got um a couple of other older 600 cameras so yeah i i it 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 will be used it will be used Um, excellent good stuff very glad to hear it I look very I, so, so I don't know. So, so this is this is. I, I'm not quite sure what to say now. So you've taken us on a long journey. You've taken <laughs> us on on a quiz that that has proven that Rachel and I uh, are not Polaroid experts. Don't worry. <laughs> um, and and you've like completely thrown us by finding the the you know the the last uh, i know it's like indiana jones isn't it you know you're like you've got to go on a hunt for the 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 things and then find the last one ever and in a cave at the end of the world and 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 then you need yeah. to find one so it can mate with it and then we can repopulate <laughs> with them. yeah it, it was it was a pretty um uh, it was a pretty cool find to find uh, to find it just unopened there i just felt i felt sad for it i felt like it never got a chance to fulfil its destiny, and now it has. With that one lovely selfie of me, this camera has realised <laughs> its life's dream. <laughs> because I think it's every camera's life's dream to take a picture of me. <sighs> You're welcome, okay. listeners. And we'll do more quizzes in the future because I quite like making quizzes. And we'll see if we'll see if Aid and Rachel do better next time. Um, there's no winner from this one, so they've got everything to play for next time. Okay. Well, I am going to shoehorn in here some kind of break so that when you get to the edit for this which is our longest show for a little while you've got something to play with because i'm not going <laughs> to just hang you out to dry like that i appreciate that and that's also just in case your recording hasn't worked and i need to do the edit <laughs> <laughs> so let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and do some shout outs yep 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 Well, it has been a long show, as I said a couple of moments ago, and we are now back from our break, which means it's now time for shout-outs. And I think we go to Rage first on these. Yep. Um, okay, so I've got two shout-outs today. First one would be for Kieran. Um, he came along to the workshop that I ran, uh, Introduction to Analog, and I mentioned him earlier in the show. He's just gone off to start shooting with an SLR for the very first time. Um, I really love the stuff that he's done already. He shot a lot with Lomo cameras. Um, it's all very sweet, genuine sort of like family moments. Um, and uh, he's got he's got a really good eye. Um, so I'd suggest for everybody to go and follow him. He is on uh, Instagram as at Kieran, which is K I E R A N underscore the Smiths. And on in- uh, sorry, and on Twitter, he's at K J underscore the Smiths. So uh, yeah. Or go and uh, follow Kieran um, and see his lovely work. The other shout out would be for Amy. Um, she is at Amy Film Photo on Instagram and Twitter. She's based in Scotland. Uh, we've been having a chat recently about some ideas um, that she wanted to do, like a small workshop herself. Um, when she she got in touch and said, "Oh, I like what you've been doing," um, and I suggested that maybe she start with like an analog photo walk because she didn't want to do a full workshop. Um, so I think 
she'll be hopefully going out to do that. She's posted some really nice stuff. Um, I liked uh, particularly recently the story of the windows in Fife, um, where she's uh, she'd gone out and taken some photos of um, sort of local uh, local houses and and windows around her general area, I think. Um, and there were some lovely little uh, sort of like house um, cutouts within the windows. So it was kind of like this very small like borrower's world kind of thing um so i think she might actually be looking at doing that as a project and um yeah you should go and check out her work she's at amy film photo um i think she's also had some of her work at shoot film uk um as part of the overexposed open call that was recently um recently uh, done so there we go those are my two shout outs for this week thanks guys cool over to graham then We've got some awesome emails from our lovely listeners this week. First one is from John Burns. Um, he says, hi, Aidan Graham. Obviously, from now on, everybody, you have to add Rachel to the list as well. Um, Thanks for the last <laughs> podcast episode with Hamish. Very sweary, but a cracking show. Loved it. Um, I thought I would let you know about my first film processing experience that happened on Friday. Whoop, whoop. Well done, John. That's awesome. Um, I was using new Ilford chemicals and my dad's old old Patterson tank that had been rescued from the loft. Dark bag at the ready, I set out to load the film on the spiral. I had practiced with a short length of exposed film in the daylight before. I was pretty confident. That's your first mistake, John. First mistake is ever being confident. Oh dear. How wrong and messed up can you be? The dark bag, lo- dark bag loading of the spiral started well enough but it kept stopping part way through. In frustration, I pulled the film from the spiral and tried again several times. I was now hot, frustrated and confused. Double layered darkroom bags soon get very hot inside. In desperation, I rolled the film back into the canister and opened the bag again. What was I doing wrong? Perhaps the spiral was faulty, I thought. Well, it couldn't be me, surely. There followed a 10 minute rummage in the garage. I knew there was another tank in there somewhere bring in tank and set it down next to the original. It's bigger, much bigger. Uh, I was never going to get 36 frames of 35mm FP4 on the tiddly spiral I'd been using. The penny finally dropped. It must have been intended for 12 frames of 120 or, you know, 20 frames of 35, I guess, something like that. Um, From that point on, things went relatively well, but of course, a lot of the negatives were very badly scratched. Some made it through, though, and I have attached a couple of them. Uh, I will be doing this again, but I may just buy a newer developing tank. And there is a quick... Hang on a second. I've got a follow-up to this as well from John. So let me just go to the postscript. Uh... Um, quick follow-up, I discovered a website dedicated to the Patterson developing tanks. Yes, the small spiral was intended for up to 20 frames of 35mm film. No wonder I got it so wrong. So um, that's p- pretty heartbreaking experience for your first attempt at developing, John, but I'm very glad you got through it. Oh, can you imagine <laughs> trying, to de- trying to shove 36 frames of film onto a 20-frame roll? Um, right. Next one is from Jacob Van Vliet at Sith Lord Huggles on Instagram. Um, I recently acquired some Provia 100F from Fuji, and I'm super excited. Everyone's always saying, and um, everyone's always seen and heard. Uh, Jake, you're making no sense here. Everyone's always seen and heard of how amazing slide film is, and I've always wanted to give it a go. I figured I'd pick some up before my upcoming business tri- business trip to Montreal, Canada. <laughs> And try shooting some there. That was my fault. 
Um, I know it has much less latitude than C41 films, all black and white, but that's about it. Do you guys have any tips for shooting slide film? Do you tend to overexpose instead of shooting what's metered? How about uh, how essential are filters, graduated and solid, and NDs? Um, any tips you guys may have would be greatly appreciated. Loving the show. Keep up the work. Um, and that's from Jake. So thank you very much, Jake. Um, Rach, do you shoot much slide film? I'm afraid I don't. Uh, um, it's not something I've done much of. So this one's going to have to go over to you guys, I'm afraid. But um, <laughs> thanks for being in touch. Aid, <laughs> uh, I know you're about to bail on this super fast, aren't you? No, actually, I'm not because by the power of crowdsourcing, I have some information. Oh, awesome. Because um, this came up in a, in a Twitter conversation I was involved with earlier this week. And uh, to cut a long story short, um uh m helped me out and said uh basically you need to uh meter for the highlights and let the shadows fall where they will um uh, and if you want a quick rule of thumb as a cheat just uh shoot it at slightly um i don't know i'll get this the right way around shoot it at slightly underexposed yeah underexposed so higher then oh never mind forget about that so <laughs> so um shoot yeah underexpose it a bit maybe uh d- yeah uh, depending on i guess on the dynamic range but you know anywhere between a third of a stop and a full stop um or, or simply just meter for the highlights and shoot manually yeah, um think- do you know what i do when i do this so so well this is not to, this is nothing to do with um nothing to do with slide film but it's everything to do with when i'm trying to take a portrait of somebody at sunset and i want to expose the sky nicely um but flash the subject of my portrait um the i tend to get my ambient meter reading from pointing my camera at the sky mm-hmm. and then i set my camera to to that or, or you know so to, to that level at that that exposure value whilst also being within things like the sync speed of the camera uh and that then gives me um so i know that whatever i do with the subject of my portrait uh with artificial light the background will have a nicely exposed sunset sky and uh then you can fill in the flash with you know, whatever exposure the flash needs to be yeah, that's a so, very good tip. I mean, so point, point, point the centre of your camera at the brightest thing in your composition and metre for that. Well, not the brightest thing, because that will be the sun. Don't point, don't point it at the oh, sun. Oh, I... Smart arse. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> just, <laughs> like, actually, I'm just saying. Um, no, I mean, that's Jack f*** off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. Now I'm editing it. Now he gets all sweary. Um, so um, the only thing I'll say is that if this is the first time you're going out with slide film, um, if you trust the meter in your camera, I would I would go with the meter and I would just avoid contrasty situations the first time whilst you're getting used to it because um, you know the latitude being tight as it is it just means you just don't have that much bandwidth so um exposing for the highlights makes a lot of sense um but if if there's a big difference between the highlights and the shadows you could end up blacking stuff out so just tr- try and go for stuff that's not too contrasty the first time out but Provi is pretty good i mean Provi is not the most brutal of them it's not as bad as something like Velvia, which really is a bit of a razor's edge so um but have fun with that jake that's awesome and look forward to seeing the results from that montreal should be a, a lovely place to go and take pictures They're all very french up there but that's all right um and finally uh we've got an email from angela solis that's um at this is jella on instagram um hello aid and graham 
and Rachel. Um, hope all's well on your end. Uh, I just caught up with a month's worth of episodes and it was great to finally catch up. Um, between myself and my husband, who also shoots film, we have scanned more than a dozen negatives, um, nine with 35mm containing photos from New York, and the rest were medium format taken the last Canada day. I also scanned three packs worth of Instax mini prints. It was a scanning party indeed. Which reminds me, I'd like to ask how you guys archive and file your negatives after scanning. I used to be really lazy about this. Uh, at one point, I've inserted curled negatives in between heavy books and forgot about them. Pretty good. Um, but now I've made a habit to file them right away. I'm interested to know from you and listeners what process works best for you. Uh, and I'm also slightly thrilled, <laughs> mildly overjoyed, that Aid has given the Instax Mini a chance. I hope it works out for him better this time round. Uh, or maybe it's time to use colourful border pack films. See, maybe that's what you need to do, Aid. Oh, no, um, it's the black. It's the black border I've got, which is awesome. Fair enough. Um, I still haven't found a replacement for the broken Canon Sure Shot that my husband bought, so I'm unsure if I can join the Cheap Shots Challenge this time around. I'm eyeing a few listings on the local online classifieds, but given my weird schedule, I don't know if things will be in my favour. Um, and finally, uh, I'm also very excited to share that Rachel and I will be meeting up in Liverpool as part of our trip in the second week of August. So that's pretty awesome, Rachel. You're actually going to catch up with Angela. Absolutely. Yes, we've been we've been chatting on Instagram and uh, I knew that she was going to be coming over to the UK. So um, obviously, you know, offered offered a space in Liverpool and said you should come up if you've, if you've got time uh, to fit it in within your schedule. And so they've uh, they've blocked out a day. They're going to come up to Liverpool. We're going to, I'm going to take them on a tour around. We've just been uh, organising the uh, the schedule and the general route round uh, at the moment. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to, to meeting Angela and her husband. And uh, and I was like, don't worry about you your cheap shots camera i'm sure i've got one that you can you can use so uh, yeah really looking forward to that it'll be it'll be great just to answer her question about um negative storage and filing and what have you um i literally just use the um uh, the the oh gosh sorry okay. uh, I, uh, yeah <laughs> um just ring binders with a sharpie pen right right on the top of it you know um location date and general kind of like content for for what it is and it just goes into ring binder um that that's all like that's all i do so once i've scanned them they go they go in there and then i've got the hard copy there that if i need to get back to i can just go and uh, and find them fish them out and re-scan what about you Aid? i have a very similar uh way of doing it actually and i do it religiously every three years whether i need to or not <laughs> <laughs> so so what happens to your um, negatives before the three years mm, they sort of you know, hang around on the <laughs> desk uh for a while where where my computer is where i uh yeah you because know, what happens is they come so this my workflow involves a lab doesn't it so they come back from the lab and basically what you get is a little cardboard envelope with a cd in it and a bunch of eggs and the cd goes in the slot in the side of the computer and that's how i get you know my my uh, digit my scanning done most of the time and then uh, the negs just hang around on the desk and then they migrate to i think there's a shelf behind me uh where they migrate to for a while and then you know um yeah every couple of years i will then take them to the place where i properly store them which is in a in in one of those archived poly pocket things in a lever arch file and i tend to put in um 
not next to the negatives, but a piece of paper uh, with what's written written on it, what it is, um, or at the very least the uh, the time frame it was shot in, if I can. Um, because my my main archive is my Lightroom catalogue, and so I can get the timings of anything. As long as I know the date something was shot, I can find it reasonably quickly. Um, I'm somewhere between you guys. Uh, I'm sort of along Rachel's side um, in the sense that uh, I get my negatives filed away pretty quickly, and I'm along oh wait I'm along nobody's side in the sense this will really surprise you guys. I've just got a big folder full of negative sheets with nothing marking what anything's on ending. It's just a big pile of sheets, and if you want to find them, you have to hold them up to light to see what's on them. Um, I'm not very good at organisation. The kind of just talk because this is the thing that has just bothers me. Um, I have the last pack of negative holders I bought were the um, clear ones, the glassine ones. You can sort of really see very clearly through, which helps when you don't write what negatives are. Um, but once I've um, hung my negatives up to dry and then I'm putting them away, they are so hard to get the negatives into the negative holders. It is one of the things I dread about doing this and I think it's probably one of the things that actually does um, help me get my negatives good and dirty so um, yeah any do you have that problem Rachel just me yeah no no not just you it is it's a, it's a pain in the butt <laughs> it really is um, and uh, yeah I've, I've not found a, an easy solution to be honest uh, for that um, do, you, do you use the ones that are like paper on one side and or, or do you use the, the glass the clear see-through ones uh, I, I just used what I could find, to be honest. Um, I uh, I have currently got a bunch of the like plastic see-through ones. Um, the word I was looking for before was negative sleeves. There we go. That was mm-hmm. what I was trying, I was fishing around for. Um, yeah, so I've got the the clear ones because it means I can just write with a sharpie on the side of that, like in the on the edge. Yeah. And then it's not covering up the actual negatives. It means I can see them nice and easy, but they're really difficult to get in and out of the negative sleeve. So you have to know that you've pretty much, you've scanned them and they're just going away to like stay away for <laughs> yeah. for quite a while um, before you put them in. Otherwise, uh, yeah, otherwise it's a fight to get them back out and it's fingerprint city. The most part of the reason that I switched to the clear ones after the last pack was because the paper ones, what I've discovered is if any water gets oh, yeah. on that, turns into the most amazing glue you ever did see and will ruin your negatives forever and ever and ever and as i i mean you i'm doing this in the bathroom sometimes there's water you know just around you put it down somewhere's like well oh oh it seems like a bit of an oversight that to be honest you know because the the purpose was that negatives would go in there (laughs) negatives come out of being hand processed occasionally there might be a little spot of water on it and yeah it just sticks there ain't, there ain't no getting it off your negatives once uh, once that happens so yes i've been through a similar issue good <laughs> it's not fun makes me feel better <laughs> well, thank you much very much everybody for the emails um keep them coming in always love getting them absolutely we do yes and uh, remember everybody that they now should be addressed to rachel aiden graham let's put rachel first at least for the first few weeks make her feel at home everybody come on we want lots of good itunes reviews now that say rachel's really improved the podcast we want lots of nice comments on twitter and instagram and uh that'll help us all get settled with this new way of doing things um but having said that it's probably time for us to close the show uh so you can get in touch with us at Sunny16Podcast on Instagram, where it's Graham. 
pretty much, uh, unless he has outsourced it to guests like Hamish. Oh, actually, Aid, I'm going to throw this in very quickly because you just reminded me I'm going to be outsourcing it again this week um, because there's somebody who we didn't have um, curating the feed who we should have done, and that was Tina because I forgot to ask her. So Tina is going to be taking over our feed uh, later in this week, so keep an eye out for that because it's going to be awesome and arty and wonderful. Absolutely, yeah. yes. Looking forward to that then. Uh, so you can get in touch with us, Sunday 16 Podcast and Twitter, and that's me. just occurs to me as we go through this list, actually, which we do every week, that, of course, actually, we we, we need some something for Rachel to be the face of the Sunday 16 Podcast. I don't know, Rachel, if you want to have a think about that, but or whether the listeners want to have a think about that. You can be our MySpace maybe. correspondent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe not that. Um, maybe Facebook, perhaps, because you. <laughs> oh, blimey! We're, world domination progresses even further. Then, God, do you, we, we, you mean we could really have a Facebook presence? Well, there could be some. Sm- I'm not going to commit to too much right now. This is our first show. <laughs> we <laughs> heard you commit. Yeah, okay. pretty, pretty, pretty sure all 10 million of our listeners heard you commit to that just right now. <laughs> Uh, it was it was a poss- there was definitely a question mark at the end of me saying that <laughs> oh my god can i can i just sorry guys i just want to share something else with you that i right um we've got an i we actually got two itunes reviews but one of them is really special to me okay because this is dumb and it's it's very me dumb so when we first started doing this i was looking at the other film photography podcasts that were around on itunes and the ones that died and what have you and and reading what people had to say about them and there was one reviewer who popped up a couple of times called um the user jezza fox and he had some really good slamming emails of some of the other podcasts just really tearing them a new one and my dream was always to have a review from him good or bad i thought i just, I just want to and we've got a review from jezza fox this is the highlight of my life um and and it's not slamming us so I think I can quit now. I think I'm done. (laughs) Um, And we've also got a review from um, Al Purcell. Thank you very much, Alex. I don't know what took you so long, but I'm glad you got around to it eventually. Excellent. So do we get to hear what this famous podcast reviewer says then, Uh, or are we just going to leave it at that? uh, Quality film face photography banter by a couple of true amateurs. And in this case, I use the word amateur. (laughs) (laughs) It continues. In its original sense, that it is something someone who does something for the love of it. I really enjoyed their enthusiasm and will to experiment with all sorts of analog processes and cameras. Along all, among all the mayhem, there's a lot to appreciate here. Um, so yeah, a, a nice review. But to be honest, it's just the fact that it's a Jezza, a genuine Jezza Fox review. God, this is. <laughs> He's probably okay, never well, had thank, a response thank. like that to one of his reviews before. But I'm made up by it. We can tell. We can... <laughs> So, so it's probably time for, yeah, you to put your shirt back on and we'll move forward. Um, okay, so uh, you can get in touch with us, of course, at the Sunny Sixteen Podcast Flickr group, and most importantly at Sunny Sixteen Podcast at Gmail dot com. Um, now, here's the thing. So, the last thing we do on the podcast every week is say thanks to people, and it's easy to say thanks to Chris because Chris hosts a podcast for us and he hosts the forums where we talk about things like the cheap shots challenge. Uh, that's www.pixelatedphotographer.com. Um, the last one I usually thank though, uh, is actually now a member of the team. So I don't know quite how to do this. <laughs> so yeah, we I usually, 
Rachel do it. Well, I don't know. So I'll, I'll, I'll try and do it myself this week and then we can think about how to do this next time. So um, the music that we hear, uh, as I say every week, is actually Rachel's band. Um, uh, and they are... See, I can never do this properly when you're on the show, Rach. Are they uh, Rocha? That's right. That... You, do it. you do it with great aid. No problem. I, I did it great. Roger. And, uh... <laughs> Roger. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's pronounced Roger. I don't know any mariachi bands called Roger. Not usually, but that's fair enough. <laughs> so Rocha are Rachel's band and they do our music and their most recent album is called Promises I Should Have Kept and uh, Rach where can people find that? You can find us on Amazon or iTunes so thanks very much for for the yeah thanks <laughs> aid um, ha- and Have your band members been listening to the show or are they, are they aware of how I cut up their delicately tuned music and stuff like that absolutely absolutely don't you worry about that we're uh we're just we're a happy bunch a happy scouse bunch so uh you don't need to worry about that <laughs> fair enough fair enough okay well thank you everybody uh rachel again welcome to the show and we look forward to speaking to all our listeners again next week which means it's time to say goodbye you get to buy first now rachel <laughs> go on go for it <laughs> goodbye everybody Bye!